0: I'm Hess McBride with McBride Ranch in Lampasas, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today,
2: Kerry Martin. Hello Texas, we are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me, buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've been fortunate to get some rain across West Texas and much of the panhandle this week. But that's only a temporary break from that high summertime heat that hit us early this year. We've gotten triple-digit temperatures across much of Texas, and there's more to come in the forecast. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
3: In the Texas high plains, winter wheat has been hit very hard by our drought, high winds, hail, and record-setting heat. And now you can add disease to the list. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
4: Recent rains in Central Texas have helped the corn crop rebound, while winter wheat has shown some new growth. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we'll have a crop update from the Central Texas Blacklands on Texas Ag Today.
2: We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets, all coming up. Many areas of West Texas and the Panhandle have received at least some rain over the last couple of days. But unfortunately, the summer heat has already arrived, and it's early this year. Amarillo hit 100 degrees on the earliest date ever this year. And USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says the triple digits have set records in other Texas cities.
5: Starting on Saturday, we saw temperatures reaching 107 degrees in communities
2: like Abilene and San Angelo. Abilene also hit 107 on Sunday and then 103 degrees on Monday. All three of those temperatures setting records for the date. And of course, more triple-digit heat is on the way. Diesel prices are now at all-time highs and there's even talk of a diesel shortage on the East Coast. Texas Senator Ted Cruz says rising fuel prices are only one of many worries that he's heard from Texas farmers and ranchers.
0: Texas farmers and ranchers, they don't want to see new rules and regulations coming from Washington that make
2: it harder to run a farm. They don't want to see a new Waters of the United States rule come in that puts enormous costs and burdens uh, on your farm or your ranch. And I'll tell you, Texas farmers and ranchers are worried in particular about tax proposals in Washington. To jack up taxes, particularly capital gains taxes, we saw the Biden administration and Washington Democrats proposed a stepped-up basis for capital gains, which would be absolutely devastating for Texas farmers and Texas ranchers. It would be absolutely devastating for family farms and family ranches. Cruz says the government should be cutting taxes to help farmers and ranchers deal with tough economic times. With herbicides in short supply this year, making every application count is more important than ever. And BASF agronomist Adam Hickson says that means getting the products out early while weeds are small.
4: Well, I'm already getting pictures from south and central Texas. Um, I got one today that had some sunflowers that were a little bit too large to be completely controlled, and there were some small ones in there that were being controlled um, but the larger ones, yeah, uh, we were not getting complete control. So again, being timely with those applications. And I, I always like to say, if those weeds are three inches or less, that is where we need to be. And what is three inches? That's about the size of a credit card, about the height of a credit card or a license uh, is uh, three inches or less is what you really wanna target when you're going in there to make that post
2: weed control. BASF agronomist Adam Hickson. He's based in Lubbock. Winter wheat in the Texas High Plains has been hit hard by drought, high winds, hail, record heat, and now disease. James Hunt says what's left of this crop is struggling to get to harvest.
3: Many of the farmers who got rain this week certainly wish it had come without the hail and the high winds, but yes, we have gotten some precipitation around the region. Of course, the drought's not over by any means, and it's left its mark on winter wheat. Russell French of Pioneer Hybrid says the outlook as we head into harvest time is dismal.
6: There's basically no dryland wheat here in the high plains. It's all going to be insured, disaster. Sprayed out, planted another crop if they could get some moisture. And then the irrigated wheat, it looks to me to be about 50% of normal. I mean, last year at this time, I was walking in wheat that was, I'm, I'm six foot two, and, and I had wheat up to the middle of my chest. And this year, it's lucky to be knee high and, and, and maybe some waist high. But, you know, I mean, it's just,
3: And for all that area wheat has already suffered this season, there's yet another dilemma. French says now there's an issue with wheat disease, especially wheat streak mosaic virus. As many of you know, a big way to combat wheat streak mosaic virus is to get rid of volunteer wheat prior to planting your crop. It's that volunteer wheat that serves as a hangout for the microscopic wheat curl mite that is a vector for the
6: disease. that we used to control volunteer wheat. I think people thought they could get by without doing that, and then we ended up still having those mites blown into these fields and transmit the virus.
3: So yields already expected to be low due to the drought taking an additional hit from the virus. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Recent rains in central Texas have helped the corn crop to take off, while wheat puts on some new growth right before harvest. Tom Nicoletti has more. We go to Dr. Shane McClellan now who covers Central
4: Texas for us. And uh, Shane, uh, certainly uh, here we are in the first uh, week of May and uh, a little bit of rain recently to help uh, crops along. So that's uh, good. But of course, uh, the drought continues uh, throughout uh, various counties in Central Texas. Uh, Give us an update on uh, how the corn has done. How has it responded?
0: Corns really responded well. It was kind of a sketchy start, to say the least. Some of it was late to come up. It was really waiting for a rain to have enough moisture to germinate and emerge. But it looks really good right now. We keep missing rains. Uh, There's several rain events that have been in our area that are spotty and seem to just skip most of Central Texas. If we can catch a few of those rains, it would sure help alleviate some of that drought pressure and drought stress that our farmers are facing.
4: What about cotton farmers? How is their crop uh, looking at this point?
0: So the rains we did get were just right for cotton. uh, to get emergence and then we had another scattered showers around just enough to get cotton up Um, cotton's off to a great start we do need some heat units had some cool nights cool days here lately and just need some some warm sunny days to help that cotton get get off to how it needs to
4: of course winter wheat is still out in the fields and there's uh, some new growth to that crop
0: Tom, there is, and we're excited about that. Those rains have benefited the tillers, late tillers of secondary growth. It should help the overall yield. However, we have had a late infestation of Hessian fly. It's it's very strange. Typically we have Hessian fly damage or pressure in, uh, in the fall months. And now if you cut into that stem, into those growing points in, the, in between those nodes, you've got hessian fly larvae and it's a new hatch, new infestation. And the uh, hessian flies is adapting to our area and whatever the environment uh, provides, they're adapting and, and taking advantage of it. It's going to hurt our overall yields.
4: And then there's the hay crop. The ranchers are going to need that hay for later uh, in the season.
0: They really are, and we're, we're behind. All of our plants, trees, whatever it might be, everything is a three weeks to a month later than normal as far as coming out of dormancy. one season grasses are the same way. We're behind on hay cuttings, and one season grasses are getting off and growing. Well, now producers are having to, to face the unfortunate decision of, do we spend that money we need to, or we should really want to, on fertilizer because those prices are so high. Some fertilizers have come down just a little bit on price, but, but not enough to make that an easy decision decision. It's an investment for sure and we're not really confident in the moisture we've received lately that it'll keep coming. We've just been dry. We need some more rain and, and that'll make that decision of buying fertilizer and putting it out a little bit easier to swallow.
4: Shane, thanks a lot for your report. Thank you, Tom. That is Dr. Shane McClellan reporting for us on crop conditions in the Central Texas area. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
7: A second wild bird has tested positive for avian influenza in Texas. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And if you're still deworming your horse every month or two, you're likely allowing resistant parasites to develop. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
8: Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash, like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rule settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau photo contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit texasfarmbureau.org for complete contest rules. That's texasfarmbureau.org.
1: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag
2: Today. If you're still deworming your horse every month or two according to the calendar, you're likely allowing resistant parasites to develop. Dr. Bob
9: Judd says we need to take a different approach. A recent study indicated that this resistance can occur fairly quickly. Dr. Thomas Gerden from Brussels, Belgium, indicated that he performed a study on two draft horse farms which practiced intensive calendar-based deworming, meaning regardless of the need, the horses were dewormed four times a year with Quest or six times a year with ivermectin. To check for drug resistance, a fecal analysis was taken and checked for parasite eggs, and the parasite eggs were reappearing twice as fast on these farms due to resistance, as is normally the case. Due to this resistance, the scientists checked all horses with fecal egg counts every two weeks, from April to September for three years. Only horses with high fecal egg counts received a different dewormer, and the rest of the horses were only dewormed twice a year, effectively decreasing the total deworming by one-third. The results indicated that this alternative method of deworming was highly effective in controlling fecal egg counts at normal levels in both herds and slowed the drug resistance of the parasites up to 300%. The horses that did require three treatments per year and not two were generally younger horses with less immunity to fight off parasites. This study proved that horses did not need to be dewormed every two to three months and deworming less actually decreased resistance and was more effective. Fecal egg counts or routine for your veterinarian, are not that expensive, and once you determine the shedding pattern of each horse, the frequency of these egg count tests can be decreased. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A second wild bird has tested positive
2: for avian influenza in Texas. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report.
7: A second wild bird has tested positive for the highly contagious disease that has led to the deaths of thousands of wild and domestic birds and poultry nationwide. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has confirmed with us that a bald eagle found in Bosque County has tested positive for highly pathogenic avian influenza. It is the third total case of HPAI in Texas and the second case in a wild bird. A private landowner noticed the eagle had symptoms consistent with HPAI and reported it to a TPWD biologist. HPAI is spread easily between waterfowl, wild birds, and domestic poultry like chickens through direct contact with an infected bird and contact with infected equipment Clothing and shoes. Sean Oldenberger, TPWD small game program director, said unfortunately, bald eagles are one of the species that are susceptible to HPAI.
0: The geese and the ducks seem to be a big one. We also have seen a fair amount of mortality occur in eagles, as well as black vultures, to be a couple species. Anything that could prey on waterfall, we're seeing high susceptibility
2: on it.
7: Of the 1,112 HPAI cases, in In wild birds nationwide, 68 were in bald eagles, 350 were in geese, and 81 were in ducks. Symptoms of HPAI include diarrhea and coordination, lethargy, coughing, and sudden death. In domestic poultry, symptoms do include decreased water consumption, lack of appetite, respiratory distress, decreased egg production, and or soft-shelled or misshapen eggs. Not all infected animals will show outward symptoms. For the Texas Farm Radio Network. I'm Jessica Domel.
2: USDA released their latest world agricultural supply and demand report on Thursday morning. It boosted grain prices higher and that pushed our cattle market lower. We'll take a look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. On the Texas Ag Calendar, young farmers and ranchers in Southeast Texas are invited to the Young Farmer and Rancher event coming up on Sunday, May fifteenth, three o'clock at Neil's Berry Farm in Waller, Texas. Kevin C. Wright joins me to talk more about it. Kevin, tell me what's happening at this Young Farmer and Rancher gathering.
9: It's our District Eleven YFNR event uh, for anybody that's a YFNR from eighteen to thirty-five that's interested in agriculture. And we're going to be at Neil's Berry Farm over in Waller. And we're going to tour his berry farm. And we're going to pick some berries and talk about the YFR events that we have coming up.
2: Young farmers and ranchers ages 18 to 35 are invited to attend. Kevin, where can they get more information?
9: Uh, You can contact uh, Jessica Niemer, 936-419-9648.
2: It's all happening on Sunday, May 15th, 3 o'clock at Neals Berry Farm in Waller, Texas. If you'd like to have an event featured here on the Texas Ag Calendar, just shoot me an email. C. Martin, that's C-M-A-R-T-I-N, at TXFB.org.
1: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas
2: Ag Today. The monthly USDA World Agricultural Supply and Demand report came out on Thursday morning. It was mostly bullish for our grain markets. And anytime you have a big jump in the grain markets, you'll probably see a drop in the cattle markets. That's definitely what happened on Thursday with both live and feeder cattle ending in the red. June live cattle dropped $1.92, closing at one thirty-one sixty-five. August down a $1. dollar eighty-seven, one thirty-two seventy-seven. While October live cattle were down two o seven at one thirty-nine eighty-five. May feeder cattle dropped a $1. dollar twenty-seven, one fifty-six eighty-seven. August feeders down three forty-seven at one sixty-six fifty-two. September feeder cattle dropped three fifty to close at one sixty-nine sixty-seven. Cash fed cattle market winding down for the week. We've seen most of our live sales here in the south at 140, dressed cattle up north selling for 230. That's mostly steady compared to the previous week's trade. Boxed beef prices were higher Thursday. Choice up a at 14 at 25622, select up a dollar 54 at 24372. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble.
9: When you hear cattle in the alleyway, it's time to review the sale that Ken Jordan had Last Thursday in San Saba, Ken. I understand he was a humdinger. How'd it go?
5: The Market yesterday continued with very, very good demand. We saw stocker steers pretty well selling ten dollars higher yesterday. See, we had a lot of lighter cattle there, just a lot of folks pulling calves, all cows to save the cows. We had a group on the stocker steers, eight steers weighed three sixty four, bought two twenty one a pound, a little over eight hundred four dollars. Had another group of twenty eight steers in one draft weighed five fifty seven, at a buck eighty two, a $1, thousand and uh, fourteen dollars on those. Then you get into the stock of heifers, I thought they were full ten dollars higher also. Had a group of twenty three heifers weighed five forty one yesterday at a buck sixty three, right at eight hundred and eighty two dollars on those. Getting the bigger cattle, to feed the feeder steers, I thought they were overall three to five dollars higher. Had twelve steers weighed seven hundred and forty pounds yesterday in one draft. They brought their buck. Fifty-three. That's $1,132 and some change. The feeder heifers I thought, were a full $5 higher also. Packer cows were maybe probably $2 lower. A lot of cows been moving. We had over 650 cows out of 3,500 cattle offered. The top cow, she was 95 cents. Her bulls, they're probably right at $2 lower. Top bull at $1, 13 and a half. and bred cows, we shaped up a good me of those. Quality was extremely good. Market was good. And a lot of good buyer participation.
9: JordanCattle.com.
5: You bet, Larry, man. And the other is
9: 325-372-5159. Neighbor, of course, that's Ken Jordan, Jordan Cattle Auction. They sell mason on Monday, San Saba on Thursday. And Ken, when's your next female replacement sale?
5: That'll be Saturday, May the 14th. The of pairs, bread cows, bread heifers, and open heifers. We'll get more information on those we get further in the week of next week.
9: Ken, thanks for being on Walking the Pins.
5: You bet, Larry.
9: And, neighbor, thank you most of all. We'll be back tomorrow for more Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day.
2: Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, We're lean hogs finished lower on Thursday. May hogs dropped 82 cents at $100.10. June hogs down 337, 97.47. Class three milk was higher. May milk up 6 cents, 24.95. 100 weight, while June milk was up 26 at 24.07. The cotton market got a big boost from the USDA report They increase the abandonment rate based on all of the dry weather we're having here in Texas. Total cotton production forecast at 16.5 million bales, but harvested area expected to fall 1.1 million acres down to 9.1 million thanks to the drought and the projected abandonment rate. We close with July cotton up 193 points, 145.53. The October up 308. 134.13, while December cotton was up 292 to close at 127.67. The corn market finished strongly higher. The yield estimate in the report came in at 177 bushels per acre. That was lower than expected and a big surprise. That sent the corn market sharply higher, May corn up eleven and a quarter, eight thirteen and a half, September corn up eleven and three quarters, seven sixty three and three quarters, while December corn was up seventeen and a quarter, closing at seven hundred fifty three a bushel. The wheat market closed sharply higher with USDA estimating 9.81 billion bushels of new crop world-ending stocks. That was much less than we were expecting, and that caused a big boost in wheat prices. July Kansas City wheat up 69 and a half on that news at 1270 a bushel. July Chicago wheat up 65 and three-quarters, 1178 and 3 quarters. In the energy markets, June natural gas was up 9 cents, 7.73. June crude oil up 96 cents, 106.67 a barrel. The financial markets lower Thursday afternoon. The Dow down 247 points, 31,586. The Nasdaq down 70 at 11,294. The S&P down 26 points, 3,909. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag
1: Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information,